third week of our The Church on Fire Feltham Alive series. And if you haven't been here for the last two weeks or you've missed one of them, then as Sam was saying in the notices, they're up on the podcast now, so you can listen to them. And so far, Andy has preached on how the Church on Fire witnesses to the gospel and how the Church on Fire waits for God. And I'm actually, that's where I'm going to begin um, my talk today, because today we are looking at the church on fire, if this ever works. The clicker's not working, Jules, I'm worried. There we go. Oh, it's gone too far. Spoilers. Spoilers, this talk will contain C.S. Lewis. Oh, wow. It's all going wrong here. I'll just get back on the guitar, shall I? Um, Back to the words. Okay, um, can we have the next one? Thanks, Jules. I, I'm just going to... just. I'll... Yeah, great. Okay. Um, so we're looking at the church on fire this morning. So our reading is going to be an act where the day of Pentecost comes. And obviously it's not Pentecost Sunday today, but the way we're reading through Acts it has fallen today. So I imagine the person who preaches in two weeks' time is also going to talk a little bit about Pentecost. But we're going to talk about being a church and being individuals that are on fire for God. And I'm going to pick up where Andy left off last week when he talked about how the church on fire waits. Because if you want to build a big fire, a fire that burns hot, a fire that burns bright, it takes time. You know, so often in the summer when we get our barbecues out, we light them, and we tell people to come round for a barbecue at one o'clock, and everyone comes at one expecting (laughs) burgers to be at one, and no one has burgers till half two, three o'clock, and the rain's actually come out, so we don't even get to eat the burgers unless they're in the oven normally. And in the same way, if we want to be Christians who are on fire for God, we've got to give him that time. We've got to say, come on then, God, this is your time now. And also, I was looking at how do you make, I literally Googled, how do you make a fire burn hotter so that I could work out what to insert as a metaphor. And it actually worked out really well because the answer (laughs) was oxygen makes a fire burn brighter, burn hotter, and burn faster. And in the same way, again, if we as Christians want to be believers who burn hot for God, who burn bright, who spread our fire throughout Feltham, throughout our workplaces, we need to be people who are giving God the time to breathe on us. And as C.S. Lewis wrote, is this going to work? There we go. Oh, we both tried to do it. I'll just let you, I'll let you. Uh, A moderated religion is as good for us as no religion at all. And in the same way, the fire of our hearts, if we're just going to have kind of some small embers, if we're just going to say, God, ah, oh, just warm me, just warm me, would it be enough for me to know that you are God in my life? What's the point? What is the point? Jesus didn't come for the 12 disciples, for his mates. Jesus came for all of mankind. And in the same way, our faith shouldn't just impact our own lives, it should impact the lives of others. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that later in this talk. Let's get on to the reading, so Acts 2. So um, we've also started doing something called table time at Christchurch, and I'm going to basically take us through what it will look like if you want to do one of these at home. So if you're not signed up for that, talk to Beth at the end of the service, and you can get your email signed up, and 12.45 every week you'll get email with the passage from the talk and some questions come through. So we're going to look through this. I'm going to read it once all the way through, and then 
we're going to read it again, and I'm going to talk about some of the stuff that stands out. So when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said they have had too much wine. I'm going to grab a drink before I read that again, because that was a lot of places. Which, uh... <laughs> so if we look through this at home in our own time, we want to be looking at kind of what stands out from the passage, what is there in this that we can take and apply to our own lives. So when I was reading it, all the stuff that's a bit bold is what stood out to me. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place, which is something that we believe in, right? This is why we're all together in one place on a Sunday at 10.30. And again, for me, that just emphasizes, you know, meeting together as a church on a Sunday morning is biblically found. You know, we see that. That is what the early church did, and this is why we do it, because we believe that when we meet together, God is in our midst, the Spirit can come, and we can see amazing things. The next thing... Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house. The Holy Spirit isn't just for this side of the church. It's not just for that side of the church. It's not, if you come and sit at the front, you're not going to get more Holy Spirit than those who sit at the back. God doesn't have an agenda. He's not, you know, if you sit in that seat every week, you're going to get filled. If you move, you're not. The outpouring of the Spirit is for everyone in this church. And it says that again, look, we read a bit later, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. This is an invitation that for us as a church, each one of us has the opportunity to be filled by the Holy Spirit. You are not discounted from being filled by the Holy Spirit. You are not discounted from being set on fire for God. I missed that word. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire. When the Holy Spirit comes, we can see, we can sense that God is doing something new. We don't say, did he come then? No, when we believe that the Holy Spirit has come, it is visible. We can actually see that God is in our midst. And as I said, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And again, we can't grow the kingdom of God unless the Spirit has enabled us to do these things. You know, some of us are already immensely gifted naturally, but actually if we want to fully go along with God's will and what God is wanting to do in Feltham, then we need to do the things that the Spirit is enabling us to do. We can wait in the room as they were doing, wait in this church and say, God, what is it that you want us to do at this time? Would you fill us to enable us to do your works? We read on a little bit, when they heard this, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard. And as I talked about the Holy Spirit being accessible for all of us in this church, 
A relationship with God and being set on fire for the gospel is available for everyone outside the walls of this church as well. We're not filled with the Holy Spirit so that we can go and tell people who look cool or people who maybe don't look cool but they might not reject us because they're a bit less cool. The cool people sometimes close the door in our face because they're too cool for the gospel. No, each one heard their own language being spoken. The Holy Spirit feels us that we tell all people about God. He doesn't feel us that we just tell a certain group. And that's really important. Should we move on? Utterly amazed, these people who don't know who Jesus is, who haven't been filled by the Holy Spirit, utterly amazed. Again, when the Holy Spirit falls, people who aren't Christians are hit and they see something that is different to normal. There is an amazement. So when we know, we know the Holy Spirit is at work because other people outside the walls of the church say, wow, what's going on there? Then how is it that each of us hears, just as I said with saw earlier, each of us hears with our native language. God has given us a gospel that we can communicate to everyone, everyone outside the walls of this church. And how are we communicating to them in their native language that they can hear the gospel? Thankfully, I didn't choose any of those places to stand out for me, so we'll skip past them. <laughs> and again, amazed and perplexed. You know, the Holy Spirit falls... And people who don't know maybe what church is, what Christianity looks like, perplexed, it's confusing. That's our job when people see, you know, we've already seen that they have heard the message of God in their own native language, but they're perplexed, they're confused. And that is our duty when people see something of God, hear something of God, to say, right, I need to bring understanding in this situation. And we don't do that by talking in our church language that we all understand that other people don't. We talk to people in their own native language that they may understand what the Holy Spirit is doing. And then at the end, the last thing I highlighted was some, however, made fun of them. Guys, when the church lives out in the Holy Spirit, lives out on fire for God, some people aren't going to understand it because the gospel is so radical is so countercultural that people look at the church if it's working to its fullest, if it's working at its best. <laughs> Those guys are idiots. If we're radically generous and we give away more than we have, people look at them, what are you doing? You must be drunk, you're being so kind to us. You must be drunk, you are throwing yourself out there. You must be drunk, you are loving Feltham so well that you haven't rested this weekend, or you are loving Feltham so well that you've put the needs of our family before the needs of your family. Some people won't understand it. And we have to accept that if we want to really live out as a church on fire to make sure that Feltham is alive, we're going to get laughed at. We're going to get ridiculed sometimes. But it's in the Bible. So don't worry. All the saints have gone before us. The early church that went before us, people <coughs> laughed at them. We're not on our own if people say, "Yo, look at those guys. They're a bit stupid. They've had too much wine. And so I'd encourage you as well throughout this week maybe to go go home again and, and read this passage just as I kind of like unpack some of that with you. I'm sure there's other stuff that's in there. I definitely haven't got everything in there. But that's just an example of how we can do table time, how we can talk through passages in our weeks. Um, so yeah, we really want to encourage that because actually like Sundays will never be enough. You know, the 25 minutes I get to speak this morning will never be enough to unpack all that's in this passage, all that we could talk about being a church on fire. So make sure that you're making time in your weeks to look back on what there is 
you know, listen to the talk again on the podcast if you're someone like me who has a really low attention span. So if there's not something bright and shiny on the screen, I'll lose interest. So I normally listen to Andy's talks again. Sorry, Andy, if you're listening. Um, we're going to move on to the next slide. And I'm going to talk a little bit now about how we can be Christians who are on fire as individuals, and then I'm going to talk about how we can be Christians who are on fire as a church. And I want to say this right at the beginning. Fires take time. You know, I'm not expecting for everyone to listen to this message and then 10 seconds after be like, wow, let's go, like, evangelize people on the streets, let's go all out and pray in tongues and heal people. I totally get all the gospel now. I don't have any questions about the Bible. It all makes sense. This is amazing. I don't have any doubts. I'm not expecting that because we all have doubts. We all have questions about the Bible. You know, we all have reservations. There are all things that we struggle about with our faith. But actually... This is such a good encouragement, I think, for us that fires take time to burn, that being set on fire for God isn't... He's not expecting us to go out and do these things straight away. It's all in relationship with him. As that passage said, when the Spirit enables, that's when we go. But we can do things that help make that fire light quickly, that burn brighter. And that, for me, the biggest thing in my life that I've found that has really stoked the fire of faith in my life is daily quiet time. Before I do it, you know, I said this in the other talk that I gave. I'm going to say it again. The first thing I do in the morning, you know, not every morning, because sometimes I go to bed a bit too late and I don't have time, but God understands. God's graceful where I'm weak. But, you know, the routine of my life is that I wake up in the morning and that I read my Bible and that I pray and I give time to God just to speak to me. God, what is it you are saying this morning? And that, for me, is what took my faith from being something that was growing up in a household. My dad was a vicar. My mum is now also ordained. You know, I had all the Christian language. And for me, that was something which was kind of a, a routine, going to church on a Sunday. You know, I went every Sunday, played worship, played in the band, what instruments needed playing. Um, but for me, like, this quiet time was what made this a faith of my own. And there may be some of us in here who are actually stealing our faiths from our parents, from our partners, from our family, and actually this for you is a moment where you say, you know what God, I want to be set on fire, I don't want to be stealing someone else's fire and putting it on my stick and lifting it in the air, but actually, God, I want you to set me on fire. And the thing I'd encourage you most there is just to take that time each day. Maybe you don't have a daily quiet time at the moment and half an hour looks a bit scary. Just wake up in the morning, give God five minutes. You know, just read four verses in your Bible and then say, God, what are you saying to me today? God, what, what do you want to do in my life today? Because the more we wait, the more he will do. And I want to say as well that for me, putting this quiet time at the beginning of my day meant that that was a priority. Because before, whenever I was doing quiet time, I would try and make... I try and squeeze God into my life instead of say, God, you're in control of my life. The 10 seconds I'd have at, the big, at, the, at lunchtime, I'd say, right, God, I've just had my sandwich. I've still got 15 minutes of lunch left. What are you saying? And if you didn't say anything, I was out. Like, 
oh, okay, clearly you'll talk to me tomorrow or something. God, don't worry. You know what? Maybe I'll try again a bit later, and I wouldn't. But we need to be putting time in that God can speak to us instead of saying, God, 30 seconds now. Do you want it? Do you want it? Do you want to say something? That's not how God works. That is not how, and that isn't how we should want God to work in our lives. We need to be a people who say, God, this time is yours. Do with it what you will. And if you don't show up in this next half hour, or if I don't think you've shown up in this next half hour, that's all right, because you are God. You are sovereign. Your ways above my ways. I'm giving you this time. Can we go to the next slide? This is something that I was reading by a guy called A.W. Tozer, um, who I think has been quoted at church before. And this is a quote from 1948. This was 71 years ago when he said, I want deliberately to encourage this mighty longing after God. The lack of it has brought us to our present lower state. The stiff and wooden quality about our religious lives is a result of our lack of holy desire. Complacency is a deadly foe of all spiritual growth. Acute desire must be present or there will be no manifestation of Christ to his people. He waits to be wanted. Too bad that with many of us, he waits so long, so very long, in vain. (laughs) That absolutely knocked me for six when I read that. How true is that of my life often? I think a lot of the time as Christians, we read passages like this one in Acts, and we think, God, do that in our church. Do that in our church. Would you bring people in who aren't Christians, or would you lead us out of this church, and would we see signs and wonders? Would we see 500 people from Felton who aren't Christians yet gather in the car park, and we could talk to them? And God's saying, what would you say to them? You don't know me. Who would you be pointing them towards? If we're not spending time with God, if we don't know who God is, what God wants for our area, if he brings those 500 people to to Christchurch next week, what are we going to say? We need to be taking time with God to see what his heart is for our lives, to see what his heart is for Felton, that then we can minister. Because there's no point us trying to minister if we don't know what we're ministering with or about. Let's give God time. You know, he waits to be wanted. He waits to be wanted. Are you giving him that time? Are you wanting to meet with him? And this is biblical as well. This is in Hebrews 11, verse 6. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. He rewards those who earnestly seek him. God is going to honour the time that you give him. God is going to honour you if you seek him. If you want more of God and you give God your time, I promise you he's not going to not show up. There might be days where you feel like God isn't doing anything, but if you consistently say, God, here I am, what do you want to do? God, I'm seeking you. What is it? God God will reward that. He will grow your faith. He will deeply disciple you. There will be areas of your life that he will transform. He will change. And as we're talking about being on fire, he will light the fire again. You know, so often we can, in London especially, I think we're really bad. We're really guilty of this. We work on a culture of busyness. So this is countercultural for us, just to say, I've got half an hour because well, have I got half an hour? I really should be working, or if I'm not working, I should be 
doing something else. Oh, I'm sure there's something I'd be doing. Oh, I'm so busy. You know what I mean? Like, we come to church on Sunday, and so often people say, how's your week been? I'll say, oh, tell you what, it's been busy. It's been really busy. And then I look at my week, and I'm like, well, yeah, it was busy, but you played FIFA for two hours on Thursday night. <laughs> and like, God would have used that time if he wanted him to. Oh. You watched a dog dancing on Britain's Got Talent on Saturday night. God would have used that time. Like We have the time. God has that time. And what are we doing with it? Are we seeking him? Or are we just wasting it? Another important thing as well, I think, on this next slide. This is one that I really want to emphasize this morning. That your spiritual growth is your responsibility. Don't get me wrong, church is an amazing place where we can meet together, disciple one another, you know, listen to a talk that hopefully is impactful, that hopefully will teach you something of the kingdom of God. But that's only one day out of seven every week. And if you are not reading your Bible or if you're not giving God that time to set you on fire, by the time the next Sunday, how many fires do you know that get lit on a Sunday and are still burning on a, on a Saturday? You'd have to be a pretty big fire, like, wild, like California wildfire type size for that to be going on. Now we need to be giving God time throughout the week where we can say, God, would you blow on the coals of my heart that are in danger of going out, and would you relight them? I was just thinking of that, take that song, Relight My Fire. <laughs> Your love is my only desire. Gary Barlow, the prophet. <laughs> Who'd have thought it? And this is also what I was talking about with table time as well. You know, we want to be, be intentional about these things. And that's why, you know, Andy and Dizzy and the rest of the guys who are leading Christchurch are giving us tools to take hold. We're not just saying, here, you need to look after yourself spiritually. But we're saying, you know what, it's really important that we're doing these things in the week, and here are a few ways that you can do them. And that's the same with these missional groups that we've just launched. You know, we want to see God move in Felton. Here's a really helpful way that you can get involved in a group that's going to hopefully see people coming to know Jesus. So use the tools that you're being given at church. Take some of that, you know, take some of that on yourself. You know, we're, we're all adults in this room. We all have responsibilities at work. We all have responsibilities in our relationships with family members. See that with your faith. You've got a responsibility. Are you investing in it? I know for me, there have definitely been seasons of my life where I've just kind of hoped that God would be pushing me along. Hope that it gets to next Sunday and I'm still, still believing. <laughs> still got that little fire going. If we want to be people who burn, if we want to be a church that is known for being on fire, we need to give God that time. I'm going to finish this little bit about how it looks to be individuals who are on fire by talking about um, a quote that I heard at the leadership conference recently by a guy called Mike Todd. And he said, life is not about reaching our potential. It's about fulfilling our purpose. Again, that hit me for six. So often in my life, I think, wow, Okay, so if I could just, you know, become better at filming stuff, so I create videos as part of my job at Newine and some of them are testimonies. If I could just create better videos, if I was the best videographer in the world, the best editor, more people would come to know Jesus. 
And that would, be really, that would feel really good for me because I'd know that I'm doing an even better job. But actually, like, that's, that's not what we see in the Bible. Like, God doesn't say, you must fulfill your potential. God says, listen to me. Jesus' prayer isn't, God, would you make us brilliant that people would know you? Jesus says, your kingdom come, your will be done. And that is what this quote says. I thought about this through Jesus and the temptations that he sees in the desert with the devil. You know, Jesus is the guy who <laughs> walked, walked on water, fed thousands of people with one kid's lunch, rose from the dead, if you'd forgotten. <laughs> Literally, like, did, you know, the most crazy things, and yet his life wasn't about reaching its potential. Or he probably wouldn't have ascended when he was 33 and he was as famous as he'd ever been. He'd have done more stuff. He'd have released a book. That's what a lot of Christian leaders seem to do these days. Cashed in, had his own YouTube channel. But that's what, not what Jesus' life was about. And actually, we see that was the temptations in the desert. It's not about Jesus and his potential, but the devil targets Jesus in areas of his identity. Why don't you throw yourself off this temple God will send his angels and they will catch you. Your foot won't touch the ground. That's about, you know, our purpose. If we know who we are, if we know that we are children of God, and it doesn't matter, ultimately, how good or bad a videographer I am, if God wants to use those videos, he'll use them. In the same way, that's true of all of our lives. We're going to talk about what it means for us to be a church that's on fire now as well, because this gets me excited. So Hebrews 10, 24 to 25 says this, And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. So hopefully, if some of that stuff that I was just talking about there in our personal lives is going well, church is then a place that we bring the fires of our lives that are kind of dispersed throughout the week and we bring them to church on a Sunday and they create a larger fire. It does two things. It works both ways. So we bring the fires of our lives together, the fire of this church gets larger. But also if some of us are a bit worn down, you know, doesn't look like there's a big fire and we come to church and other people are there, we get ourselves lit back. We have our fires re-lit, I think it's the word. Um, so this is about both things. This is about being part of a community that wants to spur you on, but also being part of a community where you encourage and champion one another. I'd love to encourage us to let's be a church who say, what, what are you doing this week? How can I pray for you? What do you feel God is calling you to in Felton? How can I help you achieve that? How can I help further your vision of what we want to see happen in Felton? The next slide is revivals aren't accidental. Now, we look through revivals throughout history. Well, I did anyway as I was prepping this talk. And none of them are by accident. Like, it's not like I just walked into church today or we walked into church today and 500 people just randomly rock up. But revivals come because a group of people 
get on their knees before God, often praying throughout the night, often sacrificing a lot of their lives, saying, God, would you come? And so if we want to be a church that really sees renewal, really sees revival in Felton, then we have to be prepared to move out of our comfort zones at times. We have to be prepared to sacrifice. You know, comfort is the killer of revival in the church, I really believe. And that, you know, that's so true in my life. Like I was saying, there are days in, in my week where I should be waking up to pray. I should be waking up to read the Bible. And I think, oh, God, you know what? This week has been so long. I just love that extra half hour in bed. I would love it. And my alarm goes and I think, oh, God, you are. Thank you that you're gracious. I'm going back to sleep. I'll pray sorry when I wake up. And you know what? Like, God, does God forgive that? Yes. Does that, does that prompt something in my heart to pray for revival? No. Does that stop the fire in my heart for revival in Felton? Yes. Is that, let's be honest, is that what the enemy wants to see? He loves it when he sees me go back to sleep in the morning. He thinks, ah, oh, hallelujah, someone's not going to be praying on behalf of Felton for 19 St. Dunstan's Rose at 6.30 today. We need to be able to say, oh, God, I'm going to be tired today, but I trust that you're going to get me through today. I trust that, you know what, I might be a bit snappy at people at work, but if I want to see revival come, God, would you use this time now? You know that I'm tired. Would you sustain me? Would you see me through this day? Do we trust God enough to give him our time, even when it looks sacrificial, even when we think we're going to be tired? And as I said earlier, that is about you know, sacrificing some other stuff for us. You know, we could do, you know, Wednesday nights, the furnace that meets at 7.45. I know that some of us have things that are on, on Wednesday nights that make it hard to get to that. But if this is the priority of our lives, if we want to see God coming in Felton, we want to see renewal in this town, we want to see God worshipped, glorified, and exalted before all other things. Do we need to think, you know what, I'm not going to go and watch Fulham tonight. They're probably going to lose anyway, but <laughs> I'm going to come. I'm going to pray for two hours. And I get that a lot of this is challenging stuff. I get that a lot of what I've said. Please don't you know, think that I'm telling you off this morning, because actually I'm so encouraged by what we're seeing already at Christchurch, and this is a, come on, let's keep going, let's cash in, let's keep going. God, what is, the, what is the immeasurably more that we read in Ephesians 3? What is the immeasurably more that you want to do through our church? What have we limited ourselves to that you could see birthed even more in our church, that we could see pouring out? And how can I be part of that coming? Could I have the next slide? This is another A.W. Tozer quote from... Oh, it's not. Revivals aren't for us as well. And that was something that I was just briefly touching on. You know, it's amazing. Let's be honest. It is amazing when we come to church and the worship rocks, we meet with God. The talk's probably a bit more eloquent than this and we get something from that that fires us up for the week to come. But ultimately, if we want to be people who are set on fire for God, like that's not for us. The fire of God... Yes, it's for our lives, it is for us, but it's also not just for us. That revival, if we're going to talk about that specifically, isn't for us, because we already know God. And so if we want to be people who are on fire and we want to see Felton come alive, 
It's not just about today. It's not just even about Wednesdays or about your table time. But it's about sharing this with other people. So often we think that if people just came to church, they would hear the gospel and they'd become Christians. But more and more today, people don't come to church. You know, I have friends who are my age, who are 25, 26, who have never been to church in their lives. And if they've not been to church for 26 years, I'm kidding myself if I think that besides like someone getting married, someone dying, they're going to end up in a church. So how, how are we going to bring that gospel out into Felton? And that is what these missional groups are really exciting me about. These missional groups give us a chance. You know, we've even got a bit of money. We're going to be given £100 for each group to go out and do something and say, right, that's great that you believe in the gospel in church. Let's see you believe in the gospel out in Felton. Let's see other people start to believe in the gospel. Can we have the last slide? Well, not the last. When religion has said its last word, there is little that we need other than God himself. The evil habit of seeking God and effectively prevents us from finding God in full revelation. In the and lies our great woe. If we omit the and, we shall soon find God. And in him we shall find that for which we have all our lives been secretly longing. I don't know about you, but there are times in my life where I am deeply dissatisfied. Deeply dissatisfied of my life. And that's not anything to do with my family, my job, my marriage. There's just something in me that longs for more. And I believe that is more of God. I believe that is more of knowing who God is, who he says I am, more of his kingdom. And so often when we come to God, well, I don't want to generalize, but so often when I come to God, I say, oh God, yeah, let's, let's chat. Oh God, it would be great today if you would fill me and also this project I'm working on at work, I could just find the bits that I need. Or, oh God, it would be great if, if you fill me today and I had the energy to get through. God, it'd be great if you could fill me and you could bless our finances. God, it'd be great if you could fill me and, you know, I'd get, yeah. There are so many things that we come to God with and say, God, I'd love you now, but I'd also love you to do this list of prayer requests that I have. And there is definitely a time and a place for us to petition God and say, God, this thing that I'm seeing in the world, the stabbings that we're seeing in our local community, they're not on, God. Where are you in this? Where are the people that are going to stop this? Why are young people taking each other's lives? There's a time and a place for petitioning God. But do you know what ultimately all those prayers come back to? God, where are you? Would you come, God? Would you come, God? More than a clever council scheme to work out how we're going to get knives off the street. God, these young people need you. These councillors need you. God, our, our part of town needs you. Would you be enough? And that is true. God is enough. God is always enough. I think sometimes our lack of trust is what ultimately defines our prayers. We say, yeah, God, I do need you in this situation, but I also need this. And God says, but if I'm in that situation, why do you need those other things? <laughs> what, what am I missing, Luke? What, what of my godliness 
it's not enough that that situation won't be solved by my presence. Let's be people who seek God above all other things. Let's be God that, people that seek God before our answers, before our clever thoughts. Let's be people who say, God, would you come? God, would you come? God, I know that if you came in this situation now, everything would be sorted. Let's be people who increase our trust, who increase our boldness and our bravery to proclaim God's presence in our town, in Felton. Say, God, would you come? God, would you come? God, we want to see Felton alive. God, would you come? That's enough. Not, God, would you give us articulate mouth that when we go out, we could talk to people cleverly? Yeah, that's helpful. But what is more important than us speaking well about God is for God just to reveal himself to people. I'm going to end my talk with this last quote, um, which is attributed to St. Bernard. It says, We taste thee, O thou living bread, and long to feast upon thee still. We drink of thee, the fountain head, and thirst our souls from thee to fill. The more in my life that I have waited on God, the more I have wanted to wait on him again. The more I know of Jesus, the more I want to know more of him because as I discover more of God's personality, of who he truly is, it makes me say, God, would you show me even more? Would you show me even more that deep dissatisfaction in my heart that I have, that deep longing I have for something else? Would that be the more of you, God? I'm going to invite us to stand now and we're going to do that